Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, you may notice a few things. You may notice first that the audio quality um, should be slightly improved. That's because I'm using an old mic setup. I'm also recording as a backup on the on just the current mic setup that I was using before this. And you'll also notice, or you might not notice, that this now has a visual component. And that's because if you're listening to this now, you can actually go over to YouTube, hopefully. Um, I think I'm gonna delay that release by a day just so I give myself enough chance to screw up. But you'll be able to go over to YouTube probably on the Friday you would normally be listening to this anyway and see a nice VTuber representation of me on the Lunchbox, on the Lunchbox Publishing channel, which I will be sure to link to in the description of this very show. Um, so, I just dropped my notes because I took notes. I'm taking notes. It's bad out here, yo. I'm taking notes. And what that, and the reason why I took notes is because I'm talking about a pretty well-received show that is also a pretty important show. And I'm gonna pick my mic up in a couple of seconds, just give me a break here, I'm working with one hand. Um, but that show is um, a little show called Monster Moose Main. Am I recording this properly?
Um, but the you just got a preview of the UI I actually use. Um, but the long and short of it is, is that I'm doing this without like any help from the creator Montemusme. I'm also doing this as a I'm completely reading into this right now. But the bottom line is that whether it was intentional or not, there's some hunches that tell you that it was intentional and some hunches that tell you that this wasn't intentional. But whether it was intentional or not, the show we're talking about today, Monster Musume, is about people with disabilities. It just is. So, without further ado, let's get into it and watch and watch the opening hopefully or like watch a montage of some kind because YouTube copyright is definitely a thing so let's do it now the bottom line is that Monta Musume is not just a show about people with disabilities it is a pretty stock standard etchy borderline hentai show from, um, I believe 2012, and it's available on, um, it's available from Sentai Filmworks, I got the, um, Steelbook Edition, which comes with everything, um, including, like, fancy music videos and the whole nine yards, but the thing that has always interested me about, about the monster girl quote-unquote genre, which wasn't which certainly wasn't started by um, Monster Musume, but was kind of perfected into a form that was usable by ev- that was usable and agreed upon by everybody in Monster Musume is that it allows us to have a com- it allows us and it allows Japan to have a conversation about something that people don't necessarily like to have conversations. And that thing is people with permanent, lifelong disabilities. And if you don't know anything about me as just a person out on the internet, I am a childhood cancer survivor. I have a physical disability as a result of going two rounds in the ring with brain cancer as a kid. Which means that I can only use one hand. I only have full use of one hand. And I wear a um, assistive prosthetic on my left leg. I wear a leg brace permanently. And I am what I would, and most people would consider, a very, very high-end, like, very, very high-functioning disabled pe- person. I, you probably don't notice that I'm disabled at all when it comes to anything that I do. I'm just, am the way I am. And what that means, functionally, is that I'm, I, I function for the most part just like you do. Except everything you do with two hands, just because that's the way you do it, I do it with one. And that means for me going through the world is pretty easy. There's some, some things I need to stop and think about, stop and deal with, and I usually stop and deal with them or think about them and figure them out. But, um, please give my notification for Gothic Girl. You now know the trash I wash. Congratulations. Um, but I, 
I don't really have much that constrains me, much I can't do. And I certainly don't have anything I can't do that makes me miss out on the fundamental meat of life. There's some stuff like I'm not going to play a VR game anytime soon because those all use two-handed controllers. Um, but I am going to... I can do everything you could kind of think of. And, like, you could be a dick and find some stuff, but not so much. But other than the stuff that you're probably, like, rifling through, like, can he do this, can he do that? The answer to most of them is probably yes. But having a conversation about disabled about disabled people is hard for a lot of reasons because and I've talked about this before on this on this show um in the actually specifically in the or in the um interviews with monster girls um episode which you can go listen to in the feed in in the podcast feed of this show and if you are watching this video right now you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Um, but the bottom line is that many, 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 many disabled people have a lot of issues going through the world and they're not talked about. And America is one of the only places that has laws requiring disabled access to everything in the world. To, to everything in America. That's why, with the exception of, like, super old buildings, like colonial-era buildings, you don't see... You, you don't see a building without a wheelchair ramp. That's because of a law called the ADA, passed by George... Um, passed by George H. Bush, President George H. Bush, which says if you make a building, if you make a modern building... It has to have these things for disability access. But in one of the... And this was actually highlighted by the Olympic opening, as terrible as that Olympic opening was. Um, one of the things that specifically Japan as a country does not do well with is people with disabilities. It does not make... People will help you onto a train if you're in a wheelchair... People will assist you because people have goodness in their hearts, but the the whole of society does not is not built in a way where you as a disabled person have a lot of access automatically. And that's true all over the world. But one of the things that um Japan has that's not unique to Japan, that's um uh, thing that occurs in lots of other countries, most notably in India with the caste system, that has a section of people who are seen as like the untouchables, basically. Um, and you can go find a video um, on YouTube from Rare Earth, and I actually talked about that video in um, the episode on Tenjo Tenge, which you, once again... If you're listening to this podcast, you can go find it in the that episode in the feed. If you're watching this, you can go find the podcast in wherever you get your podcast, and you can find the Tenjo Tenge episode in the podcast feed. But among the 
different groups of people who end up in the untouchable, like, basket of society is people with severe disabilities. And if you were watching the, um, if you managed to watch the opening of the Olympics, which was just the worst. Like, the clothing was not good, but the clothing at least played grunge from Demon Slayer, so that was a thing. But the opening, the opening felt like everybody pulled out at the last minute, honestly. And that's a thing that happened a lot with that, with this particular Olympic Games. But the, it's so this brief moment where you see in the, like, people running around on stage, you see a, a person in a wheelchair. And the reason that they included that person was because an Olympic, the Olympic ceremonies are a chance for, for countries to do just a whole lot of whitewashing in one place. They're a chance for countries to look inclusive and, you know, progressive and cosmopolitan, or maybe they're probably not. Um, there was, you know, there was a lot of, like, hyping up of female, of females in the, op of uh, women in the opening, and, like, different representations of Japanese women and girls in that opening that just doesn't, just doesn't pass muster in everyday Japanese society, oftentimes, I'm sure. And so what this show ends up doing, and I'll come to why I think it does it um, on purpose and not on purpose, but what this show ends up doing is it ends up being um, a way to have a conversation about people with disabilities, about what's necessary to actually accommodate people with disabilities in a real way that isn't as superficial as you would probably imagine in the um in in a show about specifically people with disabilities could or might be because they obfuscate it with the idea of like oh monster girls and I say that knowing full well that a a silent voice came out a couple of years ago and that's an incredible movie about a character who is deaf and, like, not deaf in, like, the clean, cannot-hear way, but, like, I think she... I think she is audio-processing deaf, which is a very specific, unique kind of deafness, which means that you, you're getting the signals in, but your brain can't... Your brain can't mash them up. And what that ends up looking like is very different than if a real deaf person, than if like a seriously stone-cold, can't-hear-a-damn-thing deaf person was in that movie. And it's really cool. It's also, I talked about this, I want to say, a, a couple weeks ago um, on the show, Josie the, T the Tiger and the Fish is a great movie about a girl who is wheelchair-bound. And they get to the point in both Tiger, Tiger and the Fish and A Silent Voice where they start saying the quiet part out loud. And if I had to make a criticism of this show's conversation about disabled people, it's that they at no point 
do they really feel like they're necessarily just being like, but yo, we're different. You wouldn't get it. This sucks. They come pretty close. They come close enough where you'd have to be a real box of fucking hammers to not get it, but still. And so I took a bunch of notes, and I just wanted to touch on a bunch of things here. And if you wonder what I'm looking, I'm looking over um, at my uh, other screen to make sure I know where I'm at. But one of the things that Monster Musume really succeeds at is it really succeeds at showing the wide range of possibilities of how different you could be. It also really succeeds at showing the consequences of being a normal person living with a disabled person and how, hey, I love the show because it is extremely, yo, people are super different are allowed to be horny and we are encouraging super people who are super different to be horny and be perceived as cute and like, we don't care if you've got a 20 foot goddamn snake tail, you're adorable and I love that. I, I love that for the world, really. Um, but the, probably the most, like, constant, probably the two most concentrated, like, this show is about disabled people characters that you get are with, um, Mero, the mermaid, obviously, because she is wheelchair-bound outside of a body of water, and Centora. And they do this, they do it a little with every single one. Like, Poppy technically doesn't have hands. She has, like, little bird elbows she can kind of clamp things with, but that's about it. Um, Arachne is, we'll get to Arachne in a second, because she's, she's a really important, um, A, Arachne is best girl, but B, she's a really important conversation about disabled people that I want to wait to get to, um, until I get to that note, but, and they also touch on it, obviously, with the main girl, um, Mia, who is Alamia, and that means that she has about 20 feet of snake tail instead of legs. And Centaura is a centaur, and she has a whole horse body just attached to her waist instead of legs. And one of the, and they put it off as a joke multiple times, but it's really not a joke. They make all these really specific um, call-outs to, like, Centaura can't, um, Centaura can't go into many buildings because she's too big. She won't, the amount of her that there is is not what an automatic door is calibrated for. So the door, and this is more touched on as a, there's a bigger gag in the uh, manga actually, but she can't fit through the automatic doors before they close. So the automatic doors always close on her, and it doesn't necessarily hurt, but it fucks up the doors. So what ends up happening is she ends up being like a... She ends up being a problem because she can't... Like, she gets stuck because something is not... It's not that it's not made for her, it's that 
people like her now exist in the world. And the world has not, has chosen not to adapt to it. What should have happened there is they should have gone around and they should have recalibrated all the doors, locked out all the sensors, so they knew when, like, somebody who extends seven feet back is going to the grocery store. And, you know, there's something that's said a lot of times about um, Tokyo and about Tokyo specifically is that the streets are really narrow and the, like, everything's really packed together. And that's not necessarily a huge problem when it's a human-scale city. But once you introduce, like, a person who is also a horse, or, say, a person who is in a wheelchair, or has some kind of big mechanical thing that... or has a big turn radius because, say, they have those mechanical legs and they can't make sharp turns, that becomes a problem. And if you look at um, Darling, who, whose name I actually looked up, so, so one of the best choices they made with this show for a lot of reasons is they, the main character has a name. The like, main male protagonist lead in this show has a name. But nobody calls him that. They call him Master or they call him Darling. That's it. And what that allows you to do is, A, it makes them a perfect self-insert, like, thing. Although he has more personality than most self-insert characters, it allows you to be... It allows you to put him aside, oftentimes. It allows you to focus on the girls, and the... And that's partially because, you know, Titty Show... But it's also because it allows you to focus on what they're dealing with and how they're interacting with the world. And in Mia's case, he actually remarks at one point, like, the house is enormous now. Like, and everything is about three times as big as you'd expect it to be because it was all remodeled by the government for Mia to live there. And Mia is, once again, like a normal girl until you get to the hips. And then she's just a 20-foot snake lady. And you can't turn tightly in a human house very easily as a 20-foot snake lady without, like, existing in a constant coil that makes you five feet taller. And whenever they get a new... um person living in that house, they modify the house a little bit more. They basically make the house more handy, handicap accessible. Ultimately, when they get marrow and when they get Sue, they install a waterproof room and a room that's just a, like, not like a, like a half Olympic pool, that is just marrow's room. And all of this is and once again, Mero, whenever she's out of, um, except for one occasion where it's like a gag, whenever she's out of the, um, out of a body of water, she's in a wheelchair. 
Um, but the long and short of it is, is that a lot of this show ends up focusing on like if you take if you take the like etchy elements out of it, if you take the massive amount of boobs out of it, what you're left with is a show about a guy romancing or being romanced by, in some cases, a lot of disabled women. And one of the things you might notice if you look at um, A Silent Voice, Josie's Tiger and the Fish, um, even, um, mo- even um, interviews with Monster Girls and this show, is that it's, it's always female disabled characters. And there's a reason for that. Is that, like, oftentimes you as a viewer will feel sympathy for a female character over a male character. A male character, like, if it was a female, if it was a male disabled character and you wasn't, like, an absolute badass and it was just a dude like me, it'd be harder to emphasize because there's less room in your brain for how I could be still a person. And I know that sounds weird and upsetting, but one of the, um, one of the things about having a disabled female character is it allows you to still feel like, well, she's still, it gives, it gives you the same pause as like, there's a great, there's a great, um, <laughs> uh, a great person on TikTok, I forget his name, but he's an albino black guy, and he does this gag where he's like, like, yo, ladies, you ain't never been unfuckable, you ain't never been, like, there's always somebody who will wine and dine you, who will take you out, who will be hoping for a good time at night. Oftentimes, guys, lots of time for understandable power dynamic reasons, are not afforded that same luxury. And I'm, believe me, I know guys are pieces of shit. I know that guys can be chauvinistic assholes. But, just because of societal norms, if a guy is disabled, women would not, there are women who, I can tell you for a fact, would not look in your direction. And, and you can ask female friends, or if you are a woman, ask yourself if you encountered somebody, if you encountered a guy who was not like, disabled because of a badass reason like he was a war veteran if he had just been disabled his entire life and he was just a normal dude like nothing nothing stand out about him like he was not particularly good looking he wasn't particularly bad looking he was just a guy who couldn't use his left arm Uh, how willing would you be to date that and Believe me, I'm not trying to fight for my own particular cause here. Even though it strongly sounds like that. I, I get that. What I'm saying is, is that you... The kinds of willingness to accept... The, the level of acceptance 
that needs to happen for anyone is I would it, it really I would date that I would take that per I would I would sleep with that person I would treat that person as normal and the best way you can probably do this I think I've mentioned this before is if you substitute out whatever the clause is there for black and it feels really uncomfortable it's probably something you should reconsider and am I saying like everybody should go out and get like an amputee boyfriend or like a you know a wheelchair boyfriend a wheelchair bound boyfriend no I'm not saying everybody needs to give themselves over like that. But what I am saying is that it's... It's difficult enough. It's, more, it's way more difficult than it should be. Even in America, where we have the laws that talk about... Like, you need to have a wheelchair ramp. You need to have this. You need to have that. For accessibility purposes. It's still difficult enough more than it should be even to go through the world as a disabled person that's really what this show really highlights without the addition of someone looking at you like I hope he doesn't come too close I might catch whatever he has and to which that's a real thing that's been said to me seriously I said to that I, I I don't think I said to that person, but I believe me, plenty of people were like, "Oh, we need to never talk to you again. You're bad." But the biggest problem is, is that like that stuff still exists, and I still have to think, "Oh, okay, bitch, I'm gonna go the other way with this because I can't can't engage." Can't engage. Nope. Can't do it. And once again, I'm not saying, like, see me on the streets, jump my bones. Not saying that at all. I'm saying, if you see a disabled person and you don't, al- you don't allow for the same kind of human interaction that you would have with a normal, fully able-bodied person... In the same way that I said, if you sub that out for the word black, and it felt, and it feels bad to sink, then you need to do some re-examination. And this is where I want to talk about arachne. Um, and I'm skipping over tons of my notes, but it, it doesn't really matter. I'm getting to the core point of it. I want to talk about arachne because up until up until arachne, you the only Mon- the only demi-humans that you encounter are visually appealing demi-humans. Yes, M- Mia is a, la- is, a la- is a Lamia, who is like a half-snake, half-woman creature. But she's still physically attra- she's still visually attractive and physically attractive. When you get to Arachne... You and this happens a little bit with Sue, but not really. But when you get with to Arachne, you arrive at like the Eldritch horror category of demi-human. 
you arrive at the like category of demi-humans where people start to be afraid of them instinctively because they are the things people are scared of in, in a real way not like oh she has a snake tail and I don't like snakes like Indiana Jones way it's more she is mostly spider she is mostly dot giant spider and what that turns into is she is rejected by her host family her host family is like this this thing is disgusting and sells her for money and so there used to be a old an old belief in the um in east asia that disabled people specifically blind people but generally all disabled people were demons and specifically in the philippines monks used to keep blind and disabled people in windowless basically outhouses they used to keep them in windowless cells because they truly believed that they were demons and add on top of that that depictions of greek gods that people saw were probably most likely just people with um disabilities and birth defects and abnormalities in a way that people didn't understand yet it everything starts to add up to you know I, i'm very lucky in that i am disabled in a way that i can minimize it when i choose i can wear a j- jacket put my hands in my jacket in like my track jacket pocket and just go about my life and you would never know if i would wear pants and like a um and like a um zip up jacket with two pockets you would never know what what the deal was like one of those unique little puffy coats um or ultra light down coats the but the bottom line is there are people with things they can't hide there are people with or a wheelchair bound there are people with you know, three-dimensional scars that go over huge sections of their body. There are people who are blind who have to have the assistance of another person or a dog or something. I am lucky in that I can choose whether or not you see, by and large, my disability. In the summer, that's a little, that's a little more difficult. But even my left arm looks odd. It does not look scary. There are people with disabilities who look physically frightening as a result. I was just, I just went to get ice cream um, on my way back from work, but I stepped in the ice cream parlor and I was immediately greeted by somebody like, oh, that person, that person had, is, is in the middle of chemo, which I know because I'm a brain cancer survivor and like, you look like a bald alien when you go into chemo, and it's very, it's very noticeable. <laughs> you lose all of your hair. Well, I didn't because um, I would lose my hair later to um, early onset bald, to baldness. But you know, generally speaking, you lose all of your hair in a way where it falls out. It would not cut out. And he, he, I mean, he looked healthy, but. 
to other people, I'm sure they were like, oh, if they didn't know what a person who had gone through chemo looked at, looked like, he looked human, but he looked like a different variant in a very real way. And for people who don't have physically appealing body types and or physically appealing bodies, either because they are overweight or because their disabilities are not are not attractive in any way, shape, or form, it gets even worse. Because not only do you not fit into the world on a, like, you don't fit through automatic doors, you have to take the wheelchair ramp, you have to take the elevator, all this stuff, but you also don't You don't get the benefit of being able to go outside without being stared at. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, the kind of lingering stare that comes in your direction when you are disabled. And you, you ultimately kind of learn to live with it when you go insane. Um, but it's not a fun thing. It's not, a, it's not fun to go to be a kid in Costco and have a full-grown goddamn adult look at you like they're trying, like they're looking and trying to solve a Rubik's cube. It's, it's not fun. It is the look of what I used to call the "what the hell did the army do to him" look, and the result of that is you have. A, once again, a much harder time, even than you would have if you were just disabled and still normal-looking, going through the world. And that's part of the reason why a arachne is best girl, but also arachne is, like, the actually adultly assertive one, and there's, like, two wit, and the best thing about Darling is that he... He is the straight man in the fucked up world of this universe. That they have these two characters that they constantly use. It's like the foils who get punched in the face for being ableist assholes. For being chauvinistic ableist assholes. And they don't... They don't, they don't shy away from the main character, Darling, being like, Hey, I kind of dig your eight legs. It's kind of sexy. I'm real into it, actually. Yes, please. And, like, it, he he goes through the entire show, like, hyping these girls up constantly. Like, being like, no, Mia's very attractive. Or, like, no, Santora, you're, you're, you're cool. It, it, you're not clumsy. The world's just aggressively not built for you because people are dicks. You know, it's cool, Poppy. It's okay that you can't remember a goddamn thing. Or, um, later, he puts up with, and this is true, the chooniest fuck Duhalan that shows up, um, who's named Lala, who just, just the most. They, you only get, like, an episode or two with her, but it's still very good. You get much more of her in the, um, in the manga where she's, like, around for, like, the entire second half of that manga, and she's great. But it's... It's this... Very... 
understandable, um, knowing thing that the show does. Like, it has, it has scenes where Mia is very particular about her looks, and you get the sense that it's part of it because she's trying to seduce her, her, she's trying to seduce this guy, but also you get the sense that just because she knows she needs to go out into the world, and if she looks sloppy, she will be judged more harshly than anybody else would be. But I have long said, like, do you know what's not a good look? A poor shit disabled person. <laughs> like, nobody actually wants to see that. That's a terrible look. That, that's like deep wells of universal sadness look. They have a scene... I mean, I've got lists of scenes here. They have scenes about, um... Like, how people with disabilities are surprisingly sexualized. And they show that, um... In, you know, like, there's a creepy... There's a creepy director who shows up. We said he's a documentarian. But he really just wants to get all the... He just really wants to get all the demi-human girls naked and, like, put it on film. Um, there are scenes about... There are scenes about... Specifically about, and I love this, like, conflict resolution when disabled people are assholes by other disabled people in the form of, like, the Mon Squad, which is the group of demi-humans who are, like put together as a task force to deal with demi-human um, crime in, in the human world by um, Miss, by Miss Smith. Miss Smith is incredible. <laughs> Miss Smith is like one of the best versions of a social worker you could ever have in your life. Because she's straight up like, I don't get paid enough to worry about like, that you broke the law. <laughs> And that I have to disport this poor disabled girl. <laughs> you definitely fell on your face, didn't you, bud? Yeah, that's what we're definitely going to tell them. Because I'm not doing the paperwork. Wink, wink. She, like... As soon as he gets another homestay, she's immediately... Like, doesn't even tell him. Just sends over construction crews. To modify his house. And it... The whole thing is... Like... The whole... The whole of the two main human characters... Darling and Miss Smith... Is just about... Like... If you want to be a human that accepts... Different... That, that doesn't understand difference... But accepts it immediately... This is the blueprint. And that's perhaps the biggest... Like... Good that this... That, A, this movie... That this show does... And then all the, like... Things that have been about disability... That I've talked about on this... Podcast. Once again... Um... A Silent Voice. Interviews with Monster Girls. Uh... Josie Tiger and the Fish. I'm going to talk about... Um... I talked about the first season of... Um, No Gun's Life, I'm going to talk about the second season. Believe you me, I'm watching it as we speak. 
all of these things, one of the biggest things they preach that is oftentimes ironically misunderstood or totally missed out on is that before you can start understanding you know, people with disabilities and things you don't understand, you have to accept them. You have to accept them for what they are. You have to accept that a person with a wheelchair will never go up a pair of, uh, will probably never go upstairs. You have to accept that, like, blind people need accommodations made for them in restaurants. You have to accept all of these very important and unique and different things before you can even start understanding them. And they talk about this law um, called the Interspecies Integration Act, I think, in the show constantly. And the thing that they say is basically like it's a framework for integrating demi-humans and humans and non-humans, humans and demi-humans, so that we can begin to understand each other. And the first thing that starts with is just being around each other constantly. And it's a, like, like most heartwarming thing, which is played off as a huge functional bureaucracy joke, which I love, because that's also a huge thing for disabled people, and also people who care for disabled people is, um, because he's been accepting all these, um, freeloaders, basically, not freeloaders, really, but, um, but, uh, homestays, because he's, like, just very accepting and very understanding and very caring for all of these disabled people, all these demi-humans, once again, are stand-ins for disabled people in this scenario in my head. And if you watch the show after hearing this podcast, you will be like, no. they must, it, it must be intentional. It must be intentional. There are a couple points where it's like, this is just for fun, but most of the time, like, it's intentional. Zombina is an intentional reference to a disabled person, even though she's a zombie. You know, um, the entire Mon Squad, with the exception of Doppel, who's just an asshole, um, is, are stand-ins for disabled people. The ogre girl is just, she's so fucking big. Um, the, the, um, Monaco, it's like a person who basically, like, does not show her face. Um, because she has some kind of, like, eye thing because she's a, a, um, a cyclops. But, this, this whole show is about that, and it's about, like, it's about acceptance without understanding, and one of my favorite things, and I've mentioned this before, in any kind of relationship, is when people just don't ask, and, like, some of my best relationships have been, like, Kie, hi Kie, has that, it took her, I think, like, a whole year to be like, um, so I'm like, what happened? She's like, yeah, I feel like I should know now. I'm like, yeah, brain cancer. She's like, horseshit. I'm like, come here. Put her hand, put my hand on her, put her hand on my scar. And she's like, oh, you're not kidding. I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. Um, Lauren, the my co-host on um, Uncanny Curves, 
over on Uncanny Curve, which is now running weekly, which if you want to listen to a podcast about comic books and nerd shit, you can go check out Uncanny Curve on wherever you get your podcast. But she also, she was like, I think, it, when I asked her, like, hey, why didn't you ask about, you know, the arm and stuff? And she's like, I figured you'd tell me when you wanted to. None of my fucking business. And for people with disabilities, you feel, and that's the one thing they didn't really have in anything with the exception of, um, with the exception of, um, what's it called, of, um, a silent voice, they don't have that moment of like, well, what happened? And that's probably because that's really the only thing you think about when you're, like, in front of a disabled person. And it... it that's an even more specific touchstone. Oh, is there anything else I want to mention um, about this? Oh, and also, I appreciated this in the wake of the pandemic because people had to have this drilled into their skulls and most people don't still don't get this. Illnesses can be really, especially major illnesses like COVID and stuff like that can be major huge deals for people with disabilities. Like, huge deals. Like, what... There's no reason most of you would have ever seen me with a cold. But when I get a cold, I, like, get the whole fucking county's cold. It sucked. I'm like undead. And it's... And also there are things that I have to do that you as a normal person don't have to do just as bodily care things. Like, I have one leg that sits in a plastic shell. Twenty, Not quite 24-7 but enough where like I have to wash that thing. I have to wash the shell probably more than I do. But, like, there's, like, hygienic things that I have to do as a disabled person that you just don't, don't have to. Don't have to do it. Um, and that means that, like, diseases and things that affect most people one way will probably affect me in in a very different way. I haven't gotten COVID. I am also genetically abnormal. There is a not insignificant possibility that I may not be able to get COVID. Does not mean that I do not wear a mask and do did not get vaccinated at the first chance I got. I'm a responsible human. If you haven't been vaccinated and you can be vaccinated, go get vaccinated. But it does mean that the calculus is very different for me than a lot of other people. And, um, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up, so I'm looking through my notes. Um, oh, the last thing I want to talk about, um, the, uh, the, like, last gag episode, aside from the OVAs, um, was an episode about, like, Darling being like, I've got to feed all these, all these fucking women constantly, and, like, it's like a 20-foot snake lady, and a horse, 
and a goddamn small buff of a spider lady. The fridge is constantly empty, and he, like, laid out all these receipts. He's like, we're spending GDP of a small nation on food. We've got to figure out a way to make it through the months. And they go to, like, a... It's like, and also, the grocery store is closed for good Sunday. So they go to the market. And as soon as it's not him wandering through a grocery store grocery shopping, as soon as it's all of them at a market, all the street vendors are like, hey, you seem like a nice fish goddess lady. Please, have our best fish. Or, um... What's it called? Um, the vegetable stand is like, hey, you're a real nice horse girl. No one else will eat these vegetables. Please take them. And like, Poppy gets charity and all this stuff. And like, eventually one of the, I think the um, vegetable woman is like, yeah, come back. <laughs> There's constantly vegetables that like are too ugly for people who want to eat, but they're perfectly good. We will happily give them to you. You're you're doing a good thing, dude. Keep it up. And at the end of that episode, there's a hilarious gag of like Miss Smith shows up and she's like, "Hey, you know that I like you must have all your receipts, right?" He's like, "Yeah, you can expense groceries. You know that, right? Well, the government will reimburse you. We don't care how much." And she's like, "Ah, god damn it." You never told me this, you asshole. And it's just... The whole show is... It's become one of my favorite shows because it's figured out how to have the the hard conversation about people with disabilities in a way that's amusing, in a way that's, un, that's unjudgmental of, like, the fan who watches it but wouldn't date... A person with a disability. Hey, I think that's probably pretty unlikely to find among the listenership of this show and in anime by and large because of things, ironically, like Full Metal Alchemist. And I talked about this a lot in the Full Met- in my Full Metal Alchemist review, which you can go find in the um, in whatever you need to listen to this podcast. But that show between Full Metal Alchemist, between A Silent Voice, between you know, all the Monster Girl stuff, like all the Monster Girl stuff, big and small, between Josie's Tiger and the Fish, there's been a lot of effort made to normalize people with disabilities, and that, that's really heartwarming for me. I usually do a um, between um and that also includes um Violet Evergarden, which I, I usually do I usually do a yearly before COVID I did a yearly and I'm not doing it this year, um, a yearly panel at anime at anime conventions about, you know, disability in anime and the treatment in anime. And I bring up a scene in Violet Evergarden that's really incredible and they have Sub scenes that are like that in Monster Musume. Um, but the scene in 
in um, in um, Violet in Violet Evergarden, where she starts to type for the first time on a typewriter, and she can't really get the flow with her um, basically auto male hands. Um, that's not what they're called, but they're auto male hands. And she lifts up and the girl and like all the other um, all the other typists in the room who are all these like hot Kyoani, you know, secretary, like hot secretary takes from like the steampunk 1920s um, are like, I don't know you'd be able to do this job. And she takes off her gloves and like it's one of the few times it's one of the first times where you see in vivid detail her like mechanical prosthetic hands and they're beautiful and she rolls up her sleeves and she like starts adjusting her she starts adjusting her prosthetics and it's like incredible and I brought this up in the um in the panel last time I ran it at an anime convention, and people were like, holy, I've never seen this show. I might need to go watch this show only for the thing. Like, it's in the first episode. You won't have to go far. But it's this beautiful moment of, like, the practical reality of being a disabled person, which is so much of what Monster Musume is really about. It's also, um, I'll get into, I'll probably get into that more when I talk about the second season of um, No Gun's Life. But anime has done such a good job of putting that aspect of humanity, of putting that, that possibility of humanity out into the world, of putting the reality of being a disabled person in front of so many people that I would be stunned if an anime fan of any of any length of duration would uh, who had been in it for any amount of time under like a couple months would have the reaction of like no I'm, I don't think I would ever go out with a favorite person and once again they could they, all this stuff could totally fly over their head but when they think of disabled people what they're thinking what they end up thinking of is not like you know, little girl in a wheelchair, or like, you know, 26-year-old, blind 26-year-old who grew up weird, or any of the, like, sad realities of disability. They're probably thinking of, as people should think, of, like, superheroes, and rock, and, like, people, and, like, you know, heroes of the story, you know, hyper-capable unstoppable people and it, this show balances that Montemusme really balances really well that hopeful fantasy with the reality of like yeah you can be a badass you know mermaid like tragic love obsessed mermaid who is amazingly dressed, but also when you go into what when you get out of the pool, you have to get in a wheelchair. 
yeah, you can be um, a, like, chivalrous female knight centaur, but you can't get go to the grocery store very easily because the electric door has got to be put on pause so you can go through them. And, I mean, I've got a, you can't tell in the, um, if you're watching the video, I'm not sure if the video will come out because I'm not sure I hit the record button correctly. But, you can't tell that I'm smiling, like, ear to ear talking about this show in the, um, VTuber mode I've got myself in. But it's, All the shows that I've talked about, and especially Monster Musume, are such a celebration of the acceptance of difference, and specifically acceptance of people with disabilities, that is, that is genuinely rare in, not anime, but in media, it is rare to have characters like, say, Daredevil, it is rare have characters even like Cyborg, who isn't, who, like, functionally isn't disabled, but he is written like a hyper-confident disabled person, and that's, that's really cool, but, um, the, I, it just, it makes me really happy, and I, I look forward to when, you know, we can all go to anime conventions again, and I can do the, my panels on, you know, like, cyberpunk, and mommy, daddy, hate you, bad parenting in anime, which is just control chaos, and I love it. I've got another one planned, and my panel on disability anime, because it is a genuine... In the same way that while Japan may be incredibly chauvinistic and shitty about it, but anime is incredibly female-forward and envisions female characters as superheroes and badasses constantly, even often, even many times in shows aimed at boys. If you look at, um, the best example actually is, um, if you look at Yu Yu Hakusho, the women in that show are just awesome. Asuko, Kuwabara's older sister, is a badass. Botan is the Grim Reaper and will kill you. And even Keiko, who is like the typical like love interest character, is really just like, there's only so far she will put up with Yusuke's shit. And the end of that show is not like Yusuke becoming the ultimate badass. It is Yusuke coming home and being like, I'm a dick because I made you wait this long. I, I'm not going to make you wait this long again. And it's... It's just really encouraging. And if, if you have... Any kind, the last thing I'll say is if you have any kind of disabled person in your life who needs something to look up to, who needs something to feel like they have something out there for them, give them 
first off, if they're a guy, certainly give them Montezuma's mate. It would be so much fun for them. But um, give them Full Metal Alchemist. Give them a silent voice. Give them Josie the Tiger and the Fish. And give them Montezuma. And if you want to, like, start to open yourself to that kind of acceptance, the list I just mentioned is just as valid for you. You go, go watch this stuff. It's worth, it's worth watching because... And also, once again, give them, um... Give them no gun's life. It will be like, they'll be like, oh, shit, this is awesome. I... The thing about awareness things, um, which I just made air quotes with my hands, if you are watching the video version, which once again, I'm increasingly thinking I did this wrong. Um, it's oftentimes they're made just to spread awareness. And you can see this in shows like um, that show about like just conceiving children that came out a couple seasons ago. Oftentimes they're not made with a level of quality to the show. But the shows that I mentioned that I that I mentioned are some of the most beautiful, wild, imaginative, incredibly thoughtful shows out there just in the medium of anime and animation. They're not like the charity cases. They're not the same. They're the things that show up in top 100 lists and pretty high up. So that's the other great thing is that I don't have to say, you know, go go watch the show because of this moral reason. No, go watch the show because it's fun. The moral reason is a huge bonus and it makes it more fun when you know it's there. But, you know, like... Yes, Full Metal Alchemist was, you know, held at the top of my anime list forever. I think it still might be. I think it might have dropped to number two because the world is failing. But because of, it's like the world is failing to keep Axis powers in power or whatever. But, um, it's still an insanely good show. Even the 2004 original, full, original flavor Full Metal Alchemist is an excellent show about characters with disabilities. Full Metal Brotherhood is an absolutely excellent show about characters with disabilities. Same thing for everything I've mentioned. And um, Violet Evergarden is a little, a little slow in plotting, but it's absolutely goddamn gorgeous. So that's a, that's a feather in his cap. Um, but, yeah, it's not, it's not about watch this because it's a charity case. It's about they are making their best things with this stuff. And that's even more of a reason to go watch it. And on that note, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. I'm sorry the video thing did not work out this time. I will attempt again and again until I get it right. But on that note, this has been Lunchbox Radio. I will talk to you on Sunday.